Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Grace Scott and co-host Hannah Greaser, a show where we address some of the most important ministry questions in our quickly shifting culture. Recently, we've been in a series on the body, what it means to have a body, and the nexus between spirituality and exercise, problems with the body such as addiction, both substance dependence and sexual addiction, aging, and even dying. Today, we'll be pivoting a small fraction to talk about suffering and the body. Our guest today, Carrie Morris Guzman, is a dear friend of mine. We met in graduate school at Azusa Pacific University, and since we both love Anne of Green Gables, she knows what I mean when I call her my bosom friend. Carrie Morris Guzman is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ and a Methodist pastor with more than two decades of ministry experience. She lives in Riverside, California with her husband, Aaron, and their daughter, Grace. Carrie, welcome to Christian Curious. Thank you for having me. Carrie, when we first met, we were young graduate students who were just worried about how we'd make it through graduate school, or in my case, whether or not I'd make it at all. And First of all, I, want, I can't express enough how much I looked up to you during those years, especially the peace and the serenity that you found in the Lord. You were just a constant, present reminder of God's goodness in my life. And, but then not long after I'd finished my program, something happened that ultimately changed the trajectory of your whole life and ministry and your whole story. And I'd love for you to share with our audience just a little bit about um, your testimony and what happened. Yeah, I'd love to share. So it was in 2005, and I was also at the end of my Masters of Divinity program um, at APU, and I think I only had three classes left, um, really just one semester left before I graduated, and that summer in 2005, I was, um, I was very busy. <laughs> I was preparing, um, I was an assistant pastor at a church and was preparing um, to go on different trips that summer. Um, I was planning on taking a group of kids to Colorado for a youth conference. And then I was leading a mission trip to Ethiopia, um, and we were going to go do a reforestation project there. I remember and that we now. Were, yes, you were looking forward to yeah, that so much. Yeah, and we were, like, all ready to go to get the passports. We had our itinerary, everything. And about, I think it was probably three weeks before we were scheduled to leave on that trip, um, my husband was in a wedding and the wedding was in Kansas and so we had um, well it's kind of complicated how we got there but we had ended up renting a car <laughs> <laughs> and we um, had gone to the wedding in Kansas 
and we're actually driving back. It was a convertible, um, right? Yeah, it was a convertible. And we had left, it was the day after the wedding, on a Sunday morning, um, July 17th. And we, it was a beautiful, sunny day. And we had stopped and put the um, cover down on the, the convertible so we could enjoy the sun and the wind and, and all of that. And just shortly after that, um, yeah, maybe like 15 minutes after we stopped, um, we were cruising along on a two-lane road in western Kansas in the middle of nowhere. It felt like everything was just fields all around us and super flat. And, um, yeah, we I for some reason, we had gotten a little bit distracted. There was no bad weather or not even a curve in the road. Um, but we had, I don't know exactly what happened it's kind of a blur but we looked up and there was a truck that had stopped in the uh on the road in front of us uh waiting to turn left at an intersection and we did not see him um my husband slammed on the brakes and had to like veer off into a field um so we didn't slam into the back of the truck going 70 miles an hour and we went off into an unplanted cornfield, I think, and the car just went out of control. And we ended up nosediving down into a ditch. Um, and then the car, like, popped up out of the ditch and started flipping. And we ended upside down. Um, at some point, I was knocked out. Um, unconscious and woke up actually underneath the car and was still strapped into the seatbelt um, and I could kind of tell we were upside down and I looked up at my legs um, as I was hanging so I could you know my legs were above me and I thought that my legs had been cut off wow. because I could not feel them and I realized instantly what had happened mm. and that I had broken my neck and that I was paralyzed. Um, and it was, I, I remember saying to Aaron, my husband, just saying what happened. He said, we flipped the car. And I said, I broke my neck. And he, he said, yeah, I know. Like, I don't know how he knew, but that he knew. Gosh. So, yeah, then it was just, it was terrifying, of course, and I felt like I was dying, and I, I think I probably was dying. Um, I, I always describe it as I felt like a plug had been pulled in a drain, and I felt the life draining out of me. Um, and there were people around, standing around outside the car, um, and there was a woman out there, and she had farm boots on. That was all I could see, just the toes of her boots peeping under the car. And she asked what my name was, and she said, my name's Carrie. And I just remember her saying, like, keep breathing, baby, keep breathing. <laughs> and I was trying to because it was very, very difficult to breathe because my chin was pushed down to my chest, and it was 
um, cutting off my airway. Um, but they, I mean, it was, it was, I think, 25 minutes before I could hear sirens. Um, that's wow. kind of how far out we were. Um, and then, yeah, they, it's kind of a blur. Like, my memory's a little fuzzy with all of that. Um, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they got me out from under the car and in an ambulance and took me to a little tiny emergency room um, that's almost like a little urgent care place. Um, they got me somewhat stabilized. They put me on a ventilator because I quit breathing um, and then ended up flying me to Colorado um, where you guys are. And right. To um, Inglewood, um, to Swedish Hospital, where uh, it was the nearest uh, level one trauma center to where we were. So I landed there, and it just so happened that it was literally connected by a bridge to one of the top spinal cord injury rehabilitation hospitals in the world. Um, so that was very. Um, providential or whatever you want to call it um and i was able to do my rehabilitation at that hospital um i was there for close to six months um just learning how to do life as a paralyzed person um so yeah that's kind of basically it in a nutshell um you know, I remember those days in recovery in Swedish and um, coming to visit you and uh, watching how difficult those months were for you and for everyone around you, but especially for you. And I'd like to know, how do you think that your early days of recovery affected your faith? Were you even thinking about it at that point or how, how did it affect your faith? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, you know, had a very strong faith. Um, and I just remember thinking like really making a conscious decision that no matter what, (laughs) you know, my life was going to be like that I was going to trust God and that I would never turn my back on God. And I remember kind of laughing because I always felt like my testimony wasn't that exciting. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't perfect, but there was, you know, I didn't have any major, major traumas in my life. And I always just felt like I kind of had a boring story. <laughs> and I remember laying there in the hospital with this tube shut down my throat, breathing for me and thinking, well, I guess <laughs> really amped up your testimony. <laughs> like, this is, you know, I'm just thinking, like, this is something that God's going to use. And I don't really mean to, like, sound super heroic or super Christian in that, but. Um, but it really was my mindset of like, like the only way I'm going to get through this is, God, is with God. Right. Like it would be, it would be foolish for me to, to turn away from God. Mm-hmm. And that's a great mindset that you, 
you you had that and you kept that beforehand but you know just in talking about faith and suffering i feel like one of the most common questions that keeps people from being able to believe in or trust god like you did is that question of how can there be a good god when there is so much pain and suffering in the world and you know there's the answers where god doesn't make bad things happen it's satan or human evil or things like that but I feel like people crave a better answer because as you know, pain is personal. So we want a personal answer. So with all of that, I would just love to know how you, even as a pastor would answer that question about pain and suffering. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the age old question, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's really, it's a hard question to answer. Um, but I think like the way I was raised, you know, definitely set me up for um, just like a strength of belief and knowing that God is good and knowing that God loves me, like even even beyond the thought that God is good, that God loves me and God cares about me and God sees me and God hears me and, um, you know, God is right there in the midst of our suffering. Um, you know, I mean, Jesus suffered more than anyone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he suffered the betrayal and the humiliation and the, um, you know, being beaten and flogged and, and ultimately death and being separated from his father. And, um, you know, I mean, those, and we know that those are not all things that, you know, God made happen or whatever. Um, but, I think there's just just knowing that God loves me, (laughs) that I'm created in God's image, um, and just that alone makes me lovable to God. (laughs) Um, That is is really just what I clung to at at that time, and knowing I mean certainly. you know, Satan is in the world, and and human evil is in the world, um, and and making some pretty horrible things happen. Mm-hmm. But I think with with something like this, um, I just know that that God was with me during that time. I don't really know how else to answer that question because I think it's kind of different for everyone Mm -hmm. um but right and I feel like it's it's that kind of thing that transcends words too you know like the presence of God isn't exactly something that you can you know put into the box of letters and sentences and stuff like that so it's great that you were able to have that as a rock um but you know even when you're in the midst of suffering as I'm sure you know, going through recovery and things like that. Um, I feel like it produces states of anxiety and depression and even PTSD, depending on what's happened. And so were there moments where you had to consciously choose to like take hold of the peace of God, even when your mind was a war zone? Because I feel like sometimes our brain, when it's in such a state, it's hard to just to latch onto those things, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. I mean, this is like and absolute daily struggle for me. Um, just anxiety, depression are very real. That 
PTSD, yes, especially in those early days. Um, I say, I mean, early days, but the first couple of years Mm -hmm. um, were definitely like, you know, little triggers. And, And there's even times now, like driving in a car where, I'll just like gasp like suddenly <laughs> my husband's like what what's wrong and I'm like oh never mind I just I don't know just mm-hmm. flashback or it's just like a moment of panic you know um but yeah I mean anxiety and depression oh my goodness those are those are our daily struggles and I'm really if I'm being totally honest and vulnerable um really coming out of about a five-year-long depression um, that I was in. I'm doing much, much better now, mm. um, months or so. But it is hard. And I, I will tell you that the things, the handful of kind of coping skills that I have um, come up with, especially in the last six months, are... And these are really practical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number one, getting outside every day. Almost every day I go on a walk, like where it's a roll. <laughs> I just, I get outside and I'm pretty lucky to live in a place where it's a really nice weather. <laughs> Almost all the time in Southern California. I'm just super thankful for that. Um, so that's one thing. There's also just, reading scripture every single day. I'm on a reading plan just to connect with that, um, with the Word of God and really discipline um, doing, even in my, like, walks that I go on, um, just praying. Like, I have, like, a a um, kind of a regiment of prayer that I do. Like, I start out with the Lord's Prayer, you know, and then I you know, turn down another street and I, you know, start praying for my family and then I turn down another street and just kind of ask myself, how are you feeling today? You know, and hmm. um, where, and almost like a prayer of examine type thing and spiritual formation of like, where do you see God working today? Where do you see him absent today? Um, you know, all of those things, if I'm really disciplined about it, I can... I can stay pretty peaceful, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, but it really like caring for your mental health is. You really have to be very intentional about it. Um, you know, it's not like you can just, you know, say a quick prayer and, um, you know, and be totally in line with <laughs> with the peace of God. So. Yeah, I'm very intentional now. And I wish I started that that method of kind of healing that journey um, years ago. I think it would have saved me a lot of of anxiety and depression. But, yeah, so I'm still learning things, you know, almost 16 years later. Yeah, I really like how you, you had the prayer where you were, like, examining where you're at first because I feel... I feel like you can't invite God into the situation if you don't actually know where you're at. And I definitely struggle to, you know, actually know what I'm feeling because you like to pretend that everything is good or, you know, but I like that examination process. You know, Carrie, one of the things that um, we have encountered a lot in, you know, 
I've encountered a lot in my own life that, as you've known me, and then also in my research with young adults, and then me and Hannah here on the program, we talk about how hard it is to to suffer and be part of a church community because it suffering is so isolating because it's so hard to be vulnerable and it feels like so often at church we have to wear a mask we have to pretend that everything is fine and grand and then if we if we do by chance open up about what we're struggling with people don't really know how to how to handle it they don't know what to do with the problem and or with you and they or they see you as a problem and they don't know what to do with you um and i'm wondering like have you experiences and how have you managed to work your way through this yeah for sure i it is especially as a pastor (laughs) like you know i mean i went back in the church now like i went back to the same church um that I was at before and they had, you know, strongly supported us, you know, all during our time and in the hospital and everything. Um, and then going back and having like the rest of this congregation actually see me in a wheelchair and, and just see like, especially those early days, just how weak I was and, um, just how quiet my voice was, you know, like all those things. Um, and being so needy and you know because as a pastor you're so used to being the one who's leading me you did every um, almost everything at that church I can attest you yeah. were, you had your hands in everything I did I did and you know and it was so hard to go back and be in such a vulnerable state and, and they're really like there wasn't really hiding any hiding it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I came in a wheelchair with scars on my neck and barely able to speak, and you know, just like a lot of times, people suffer and you don't know because they do hide it so well. They hide their scars, they you know hide their pain, but there really was no hiding this. Um, but it also like the mindset for me was so difficult because of just really, and, and it still is something I struggle with, um, you know, asking for help, you know, when we're, when we're struggling here, I, you know, it's hard to reach out and just be like, hey, can someone just bring us dinner tonight, you know, like we, we've got too much going on. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it is hard um, because you do want to, church to be a place where people can come and lay their burdens down. Um, For me as a pastor, I would say that one of the ways that you can point people to Jesus is not by telling them how much they need Jesus, but how much you need Jesus. Wow. And really just being at that place of vulnerability of like, look, let me tell you my story. This is how badly I need Jesus, you know? And then, what do you need Jesus in your life? (laughs) Um, So I really think just being vulnerable and, you know, and that doesn't, 
always happen from the pulpit, you know. It very often happens in smaller groups, um, in one-on-one time, just getting to know people and just listening, you know, just, I need to close my mouth then and just let God do His work and listen to what people are sharing. Um, So telling people how much you need Jesus, being vulnerable and open about the ways that you need Jesus, and um, maybe practicing that within small groups and, you know, just opening your ears and listening to people's stories. Well, Carrie, I want to thank you so much for coming on again. I mean, you're one of my favorite people on earth. I absolutely adore you and look up to you and I miss you desperately. You know, I'm halfway across the country, but um, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me. I hope it's a blessing to you guys. Absolutely. You're always a blessing. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Christian Curious. If you missed any part of our show, be sure to visit our website to download this episode at christiancurious.co. That's www.christiancurious.co. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, ChristianCurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.